Uh, to be honest, before Mahesh's episode, I thought that you're actually English. I never thought that you lived in... I thought you might have lived in Nigeria like three, four That's years. Misconception people have about me, you know, like saying I'm English, but I'm not. You understand? God, I'm not going to be in this country no more, man. I've had enough. Because, you know, in Nigeria, nothing works. I didn't know anyone I could speak to about moving abroad. I'm going somewhere. I know nobody. TV was free. There was... 24-7 electricity, man. Everything was just there. Then, that was when it actually dawned on me. Like, this country is you on your own. In my culture, looking someone in the eyes rude. But the way we do that, that's different. Moving away from home. I'd heard stories about it. This isn't my home. It's changed my life. I really wish someone told me. Hello and welcome to another episode of Statelessness, a show where the question where are you from might not have a simple answer. My name is Anas, and in this podcast I interview guests to go with them behind the scenes of their life, away from home, to share with you their unique personal stories associated with this move. Between adversity, culture shocks, and culture-specific tips, each episode will give you a different perspective of what it's like to live away from home. Before I introduce today's guest... Why not give us a follow on social media at Stateless Mess, the name of the podcast, for many Stateless Mess content and exclusive behind-the-scenes clips. And now, on to this week's guest. Because today, the 12th of February, is the African Podcast Day, I decided to bring you an African man. A man who comes from the humblest of beginnings. He was born and raised in Nigeria, while his parents were away in the UK. He followed them to the UK only when he was 15 to be faced with culture shocks, language barriers, and 24-7 electricity. In the episode, we talked about life in Nigeria and the Nigerian demographics, and how my guest managed to move from mainland Africa to London. We also spoke about religion practices in the UK versus in Nigeria, and a bit about job applications, so definitely stick around to the end for exciting stories. There's also a bonus clip at the end of this episode where my guest speaks about his passion for the football club Arsenal. Really fascinating how to see he found out about the team in Nigeria before even moving to the UK and how his passion for the club developed as he moved. Let's hear from the man himself, Mr. Wisdom. Hello. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me on the podcast, man. Is this it? Stateless mess. Stateless mess it is. (laughs) Stateless mess podcast. (laughs) Yeah. What do you think? What do you think about it so far? I think it's been great, actually. I've listened to a couple of episodes and it's been really interesting. I really like proud of what you've done you know so thanks man that's why when you told me to come on i was like of course i have to come on man Bruh. i mean like because there's a lot of stories that haven't been told on podcasts like people moved abroad and it's not as you know shiny and people hope like there's challenges that come with it you know? people don't really because unless you hear from people who actually live that you wouldn't really know about it you know so that's why when you came up with the idea of this i was like wow actually someone is doing it obviously i don't have the temperament to do it so i'm really 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 like you know amazed that you went went through with this thanks man it's i want to say that you were one of the first people to encourage me for going actually forward with the idea remember when we were walking back from the yeah, yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. but um let's leave stateless mess out of it and talk about you your story about me. so first of all where are you from so i was actually born in nigeria so there's this there's a lot of people don't know about nigeria there's like two region so there's the north and then there's the south the north is mostly muslim people who lived over there and then the south is like christians and there's also a mixture of muslim as well and i was born in the south so i was born i was raised in a christian home and i've lived in nigeria for like 15 years before i moved and growing up in nigeria because i didn't i didn't grow up with my parents you know because my parents left when i was like four look at your face you don't even know that (laughs) so i told you this before yeah, yeah, because my, my parents left, like, Nigeria when I was pretty young, like, three years. So, yeah, and I grew up with my aunties, and, you know, that's why I lived around. And to me, like, the old, like, father figure and mother figure, I didn't have none of that. So I just grew up with my auntie, and, I mean, she did the best, like, results up and everything, but I didn't get that, you know, coming back from home, coming back from school, and then your mom is waiting for you to check your books and all that. Nah. Oh. So I had, like, freedom, you know? Because Nigeria is a conservative place to grow up, you know, like it's not all like open and stuff. Like parents are actually strict and they want you to actually focus on education and everything. And so I didn't know any of that. But I've got the discipline, but I just didn't grow up with the parents and, you know, 
fast forward 15 years should i go that far I'll just take you through don't take me yet to the uk you said a lot of things about nigeria which i'm curious to know more about growing with your auntie did you know that your flatmate qasim i was sat with him and he was telling me about a similar experience that his parents moved away at a certain point in his life and he was raised by other people and he would call his cousin brother right because that's just how it goes and now that you say this i'm starting to think that it might be an african thing it is kind of like speaking specifically nigeria now yeah like anyone who is older than you in your family you, you, when you call when you call your name you put brother to it out of respect out of respect yes like you know that's just the way the culture is and if you don't do that they just see me as like this rude person you know so everyone you have to do it so yeah so my but my auntie when i grew up i call her sister how come when i was a lot, lot younger that's i've been calling her like sister this like not like sister as my sister like in the respect like sister this and you know right so growing up with her i just kept on calling her sister 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 it's only when i moved to the uk that's when i started calling her auntie <laughs> it's literally <laughs> even up to, like even when she calls me on the phone i still say sister right you know but when i speak to my parents about her i said auntie uh, you know, so yeah because now there's that separation yeah yeah, yeah. you have to think about it exactly because then you don't really think you just say it you know mm. like one of those words you don't think about you just say it because you grew up like that yeah you know Tell me more about the north and south. Is there like something going on between them or is it like in peace? I don't know. Peace is a very strong word to use for Nigeria right now. I don't think even north and south. Because there's this religious tension, you know, between the north and the south. And like, I think I've simplified it saying north and south. There's like, there's also the west and the east. So there's a whole civil war that went on, you know, because the east tried to like break off and do their own thing. But then, you know the nigeria states like now nah, you're not going nowhere you know so it was it was tough for them because at that point nigeria had the strongest army in the in africa and the fact that they closed the borders so they couldn't get any weapons and to actually fight the war so they literally starved them to surrender because the, the thing about nigeria is because the, the south and the east and like the west they all like embraced the british colonization then so they were more educated than the north so the north didn't get that much education or embrace it, I would say. So they're not as developed as people in the South. So people in the South think, when I say South now, I'm including like the West and the East as well. So they think that the North are holding them back. And there's that tension because they feel that they'll be better off if this, the Northern, they're not part of the, they'll feel like there'll be more progress in Nigeria. And that's causing a lot of political tension. People don't agree. Like, so everything becomes tribalistic and everything. Because another thing, like there have been like two religions in Nigeria, major religions. There's also like 250 ethnic groups. All right, so... Are they all black? <laughs> so I, I had to say, I had to. I couldn't stop myself. Although I've seen some few white people, but... Really? Yeah. Like mostly in like the in Lagos, I think you, you know Lagos is a famous city. Yeah, yeah. A tourists are like from there. The tourists who married into tribes, you know, and they just have families and stuff. Yeah, but majority are all black. So the people in the north, the more darker skin. The people in the south, hmm. and the people in the east are more light skin. So like me, if you look at me, you think I'm from the east, but I'm not. I'm actually from the south. Hmm. So like, because my ethnic group is is called the. the robos so there's about two million of us so we're actually a minority in the country oh yeah what's the population of nigeria so as of last year it's just over 200 million people 200 million it's a lot of people man that's just people in nigeria right there's a lot of people outside as well that <laughs> that's an i thought egypt was massive as a hundred mm. only nigeria is like literally the biggest nation in the world right you said that the nigerians want that tension to go away between the north and the yeah, south because yeah. they they, no, they want to be free like you know because they feel like if they're not part of the north there'll be more progress mm. because they've got to be fair the south actually is more educated because in the north they don't really take education as serious as we do in the south so it's difficult for you to like explain ideas to them they are they're more like tribalistic like they they only listen to their own and they follow their own no matter what so this person can be selling you dreams and everything and mm -hmm. they would still follow the person. Even if he doesn't come through, they would still vote for the person next year and keep on doing it. Over. Just because he's from the tribe. Just because he's from their tribe and their religion. And this is not just specific to the to the North alone. The South do, do it as well, but at least they at least understand 
So the, the problem in the, the South is religious hypocrisy. So basically, because this guy is my religion, they vote for the person. So that's pretty much Nigeria in a nutshell. But like the new generation, they're trying to change it, you know? There's a, there was an election last year, actually, doing elect a new president and everything. Cool. And there was this guy who was a young, upcoming politician. He was actually a, according to the story, he was like a, a student activist because he was a student union president for one of the biggest universities in Nigeria, Unilag. So it's the University of Lagos, which is the best university in Nigeria you could possibly go to. So most of the famous people actually went there, like in the country, you know? So he came out, spoke elegantly, cohesively, like made his point where what the vision he had for the country, you know. And this guy, they tried everything they had to do to actually like shut him down, and they still removed him from the boy <laughs> because they don't want him to talk. Oh my and God. just recently, they actually because he organized a protest because hmm. they the, the government promised to pay some new minimum wage, and then they refused to do it, and he made a protest. And then they picked him up. They adopted him in the middle of the night. <laughs> this is pretty much so. Growing up in a democracy, now I've found that we actually need a dictatorship there. So, what does this sound familiar to me? I don't know. Are you from you Africa? Uh, <laughs> just the way things go out this there. This is how we do it over there, I guess. This <laughs> is how we do it. If one reason is the thing that's keeping Africa back, it's definitely the governments and the, you know, the upper control. Because people want to be educated. People want to have money and create exactly, good lives exactly. for their kids. But when the governments are making it hard for everyone to just live, that's when such things come out. But tell me, the British Empire, mm. how much of an effect has it actually left on Nigeria to this day? massive effect man like because even in school we still learn about like the fight for independence and all that and you know who was in charge lord lugard and his mistress apparently named nigeria and stuff you know we still still learn that in school although they're trying to like remove history from the curriculum because they don't want the current generation to know because the people who are in charge now they've been in charge for ages man for years (laughs) how many are we talking (laughs) like Almost all of them. Like the guy who is president right now, yeah, his name is uh, President Mohamed Buhari. He was in power in 1982 or something. He actually, Little day. Or ni- yeah, yeah, because he did a military coup back then to right. overthrow an elected government. And then he was in power for like three years or something like that. And then he came back again years after to run for elections. He ran like three times. He lost. And then this time he won. Like in 2015, he won after like many years and mm. then he came back and said oh i'm a reformed person i'm not gonna be this person i was and then is he joke, man. is he living up to his uh, promises no. you mean living up to his what are you on about <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what okay this is one of his campaign promises this is how funny it is man it has to go right growing up in nigeria it's just a joke you know we live <laughs> because they said because nigerian president have this history of always going abroad for like medical treatment so whenever they fall sick even if they've budgeted billions and billions for the presidential hospital they still go abroad to you know so this they guy don't trust their own trust hospital they don't even furnish the place why would you trust something you don't you know equip, equipped with the right things yeah? so basically he comes into power He's, he campaigned vigorously for like months saying oh he's gonna stop medical tourism no one's gonna go abroad this guy comes into power yeah five months or two months he was off to London for like a year, man. This guy was chilling in London. Just check this on Google, man. Why would I lie about this stuff? Wow. <laughs> is it the Muhammad guy? This is the Muhammad guy. So, came in and he's, he was in London for a year. And then there was people protesting to like, if he's sick, he should resign and just go take off himself, you know? They were basically taking bu- the budgets to London to sign and bring it back. And he was running the country from I, London. I hope he was. If not, then we're in big trouble, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so basically, yeah, he came in and everything just went bad. We went into a recession for a while, you know. We were my friends I grew up with. We were having a hard time. I was just so lucky I left when I did, you know. Because right now, it's pretty bad. I can I can only imagine, really, from your stories and from the people I've met. But um, again, the, the British Empire, did it leave the language? Is English a thing in yeah, Nigeria? Yeah, so like English is one of... So Nigeria has like three major languages. So which is the Hausa, Yoruba and Igbo. 
And then English is like the consensus language for everyone to communicate. Second language. Yeah, I'd say, depending on where you are, but everyone should learn English because most of the thing is taught and done in English. So, which is like the general language for everyone. You know. But it, it, between that is also the pidgin English. What, sorry? It's like a slang. So we speak in slangs. Like you wouldn't speak normal English like you would normally speak, you know? So instead of saying like, how are you? You say, how are you day? You know? I would say, I want to ask you, like, what's up, Ben? How have you been all day? You know, I just ask you, what's in the apple, our body, you know? That is not English. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's called river down English? It's, it's called pigeon English. Pigeon. Or broken English. Right, yeah, okay. That's, so that's pretty much what people, how people talk in Nigeria. Like, they don't, they wouldn't speak clean English, like you'd say, you know, because no one has the time. And even when we go to school, it's like, it's a crime, you know? It's not like a crime. It's like, it's forbidden for you to speak broken english in school you know they, sometimes they, they find you or uh, are they expecting you to speak like proper english yeah uh, expecting you to speak proper english if you shut up <laughs> that's good that's no it's good. not why not because, because like i said like majority of the people in nigeria don't really know how to speak proper english so you just speaking proper english to everyone you see they see you as being you know self-loving and you know right. proud and you know so even me i wouldn't speak proper english when i'm in nigeria I would, i'd never do it even in school, I wouldn't. <laughs> Even in school, I wouldn't. I would never speak proper English. Like if people will speak proper English, I'm gonna laugh. We're gonna laugh at you yeah. till the end. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you're showing off and all that. So we yeah. just speak broken English and then just keep quiet when the teacher comes around. That's really much what we do. It's funny how you know English and you know the proper English, but you would break your tongue, which we all do. I do that too. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like I know that if I go to Egypt and I start speaking like, like the way I speak now. Which is like it's not it's not an English accent, but it's just oh why don't you say th is z you know mm. like z book why don't you say the book why why do you say the book uh, what are you a foreigner come here I kill you <laughs> so when you go back you have to have the Egyptian accent you know. I I well I try to make my tongue as Egyptian as I can for me I can switch easily like I can speak broken English if I like say if there's a Nigerian in the room and I want to talk. It's easy for me. It's like when I go back to London, when I'm speaking with my brothers, we don't speak English. We just speak broken English. But we speak English if we have to. But like, it's not really our thing, you know? So... I think you get used to it. So the broken English is no way related to London accent? Nah, it has nothing to do with London accent or anything. It's just Nigerian broken English. Like, it's a special language. It's a, it's a special language that everyone, literally everyone speaks it, but everyone pretends that they don't speak it. So what they do is like, behind cameras and everything, everyone talks in broken English. But when there's cameras and stuff, everyone's trying to pretend to see if they're educated. Hmm. And they try to speak, oh, English. And, How are you doing? Are you all right? What's going on? That's rubbish. <laughs> rubbish. <laughs> Proper English. Because we rubbish. know when they're out there, they don't speak they like don't that. They don't speak you know? it, it's fake. Because they make it like, such a bad thing that if you speak like that, that means you're up to no good, you're not educated and stuff. So people are trying to stop their kids from speaking it, mm. you know? Even though, sometimes when I back in my place in Nigeria, there's this there's people that are like abuse. If you speak that, like, oh, why are you speaking like that? What's wrong with you, you know? Don't speak that, speak proper English, Yeah, you know? You know, you're educated and stuff like that. But I don't, I don't care. Yeah. Like, because I know if I, if it's English, I can speak English to you. Mm-hmm. But I, why would I stress myself? Because English is stressful. <laughs> It is. <laughs> it's a very stressful language, man. Yeah, and like there's certain stuff that you want to say in your where you grow up that you can't really say in English because it's not. You don't have the words. Like you don't have the words, and the joke just is not funny if he says it in English. So you have to say it in the way everyone would get it. Exactly. Thing. Yeah. That's. <laughs> but I the thing it. is, the fact that Nigerians can speak this common language like broken English, right? But when they go out, they don't speak it. Go out doesn't leave Nigeria. Yeah, when they leave Nigeria, so Nigeria are gullible people. Let me just put that out there, just so you know, okay? Gullible as in, as in like when they leave Nigeria, their accent changes straight away. <laughs> I'm telling you, bro. <laughs> You're hearing from me, man. The accent change overnight. All right, a Nigerian person can leave any state in Nigeria on Monday. If he gets to America on Tuesday, he's got American accent. So when you hear Nigerians speaking in a London accent or American accent, whatever, most of the time it's made up. It doesn't really have the accent. You're just right. making it up, you know? Okay. So, yeah. But that's good. And you, can, you can tell when someone is faking an accent. Like you can just tell from, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I'm faking my one right now. This is not actually how I speak, you know? 
gotta respect that. just gotta be honest you know just of course that's what the podcast is about um how is school life generally like in nigeria school was fun for me man school was awesome I actually miss school to today. Like, funny, it's like, I was actually really popular in school. Like, really, really popular. You know, and... So I was really good in school. It's not like I was a about. But I just wanted to have fun, you know? Just play around. And that's what I did. Just cause trouble. Not trouble like odd people. Just don't pay attention to what's going on. I just play around and make the teacher think I'm not interested. And then when we have a test and exam, I just nail it. So they're always surprised that, why are you like this? Why do you act like this, like a clown in class? And then when it comes to exam, you put it off. So I was, I was the best student in my class at the time, you know. And I still miss it today. You still miss school? Deep today, man. Because for school, for me, like actually, let me break down the school system in Nigeria. So we have the kindergarten, and then we have the nursery, and then primary school, and then there's a junior secondary, which you do for three years, and then you do a senior secondary school for three years. And after that, you take some external examination called JAM, and after that, you can go to university and do what you want, you know? So while I was in primary school, I was, in, I was doing nothing. I was just chilling, having fun, bring my food, have lunch, go home. Right. Exam comes, I show up. If I know it, good. If I don't, phew. yeah. So you didn't know the system, the education system? I just was going through the motion, you know, because my auntie wasn't really pushing me to do anything, you know. Right. Yes. I mean, she tried just that she got tired of it eventually and then she left it. I mean, it's only your mom or your dad can actually push you to do well in school. Like, no yes. one have the time and the temperament to do it, you know. Then, so you do six years in primary school. So when I go to primary five, like, that's five years into this. And all my friends always come, like, first, second, third, you know, like. I was really dumbass just in the team, you know. So I was really embarrassed at some point. There was that one year that I actually studied first time in my life. I was nine years old. Studying? Yeah. I was, I was up around like 3 a.m. to study for the exam. That year, I came at 11. 11th in the class? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Progress. <laughs> Tell you. I, I actually, moved in the, I actually the thought bottom. I was going to come first. That's how dumb I was. I was, I was like, oh, I've read this book now, so I'm going to come first, right? It's called the Dunning-Kruger effect, you know? <laughs> what was that? They say that, like, dumb people, because they don't know enough to know that they're dumb, mm. they think they're smart. Exactly. And smart people, because they know so much, they doubt themselves a lot, so they think they're dumb. That but was yeah. me, man. I just I was expecting to get a first or something. I got there, I got 11th. I was stood buzzing Still, right from yeah. 17 to 11 like this is the first time i'm reading the book then after that i finished my six years in primary school and went to secondary school the least position i got was fourth Whoa. that was the list okay so you really got your shit yeah. together i would do the work when i have to do the work right i wouldn't just go out of my way to be doing that you know study because i just understood how to do because i spent my summer doing work so when I come back to school, I didn't have to do as much work as everyone else. Because my this uncle, this uncle of mine, he made me study during the summer. So Right, that's very smart. Um, I want to ask you about something that a lot of um, the people I met from Nigeria, especially in the UK or, for example, Darius, my ex-flatmate. He finished his master's and he was, I think, 21. Mm. He was really young. So And he said it's how the education system in Nigeria works that when you're done, you're done with like the A-level equivalent at a really early age and then you can move to the UK early on, something like that. Do you know about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was saying. Like, so ideally, you finish the university at when you're 17, you're done. Sorry, the secondary was, school. Right. At 17, you're mm. done, okay? And then, because in the UK, the length of the degrees are three years and then you're one year of master's. Mm. But in Nigeria... Depending on the degree, it's four years. And then for like engineering, it's like five years. And then the master's is an extra one year. So it takes time. And that's not even the reason why it takes longer if you're doing it in Nigeria. Because there's also strikes and all that involved. So school might close for like a year or two years and you just be sat at home doing nothing. You know? Oh. But if you have the money and you can go abroad, you should be done by 21. If you leave at the right time and you have the certificate and you can pay for other things. Mm-hmm. Money moves it, you know. So money moves it. Um, I think he might have gotten into school at a young age or something, but he was definitely graduated. Yeah, there's people who fi probably finish at sixteen, and you know, because when I was in school, when I was eleven, there were people in my class like nine years old. 
Mm. You know, because there's something called like a double promotion that you get depending on how good you are in your primary school, they could promote you to classes. You know, right. I didn't get that because you know, my wasn't that smart. <laughs> no, I think it's only you can only do it in primary school, right? Yeah, in primary that school, you can, promotion. Yeah, yeah. yeah, interesting. So at 15, why did you move to the UK? I should probably have moved like quicker than that. I should probably be here like when I was 13 or something. Well, basically, so my parents were coming to Nigeria to like, so they were done. They wanted to start. It's like it's time for you guys to move over, you know. I don't. Maybe they didn't want us to come earlier because you know what happens when you come to the UK, man. Life is relaxed and stuff. Maybe they want us to get the discipline of Nigeria. That's why they left us there for that long. Smart. So when I was 12, 13, so we started doing like our documentation and stuff for us to like move over to the. Because my 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 elder brother was turning eighteen, and I didn't want him to turn eighteen because it becomes difficult for him to, you know, move to the UK. So eventually it all went through when I turned 15 because I was then I was ready to take my exam, my final exam in secondary school. Yeah. Secondary school as in senior secondary? Senior secondary school. 15? Yeah. I was just about to take the exam. Oh, just about? Like two months or something because the registration was being done and everyone, everyone was registered except me. My school principal kept coming and saying, because we, he knew we were leaving, but just like, because it's been delayed for so long. He thought, like, if you were going to stay, might as well register. But then my visa came through and I was like, this is... I, I just kept going... The, the last month, I just kept going to school because I didn't want to stay at home. Because I knew I had no business to be there, you know. But I just don't want to be bored. Even my auntie at some point is like, I'm not giving you transportation to go to school anymore. Just stay home, you know. But I just like, I admit, I'm going to miss my friends. Like, I need to just spend time with them for as long as I could before I... Because I don't know, I might not see these people again, you know. Mm-hmm. So yes, my parents just it was it wasn't my decision to move. It's my parents like it's time. Just how did you take the news of that you have to move? Then I was really excited. Bro. <laughs> England West, of course, bro. I was like, damn, my life is gonna change, man. Some high class ladies. <laughs> did you say ladies? I wasn't thinking girls, obviously. You know what yeah, I, mean? so I was thinking opportunities. You know, education. Because me and my friends always joke, oh, I'm going to go Cambridge and Oxford and all that. Kids dream, you know. And for me to get opportunity to actually move to the UK, I was over the moon. Obviously, I wasn't thinking about stuff that I should be thinking about. I just like, God, I'm not going to be in this country no more, man. I've had enough. Because, you know, in Nigeria, nothing works, you know. We don't have constant electricity. We don't have good roads. It's a, you know, it's a problem. And for me to leave the environment, I was really happy. Mm. Just because, and one reason I actually was really happy because my crush left the school. <laughs> right. I had a crush on this girl, right? And then she moved to a different state to where I was. So you were heartbroken. So I wasn't heartbroken. I just felt like this school doesn't belong to me anymore. Like, I, I have no one here. It's a sign from God. You know, that was God telling me, dude, you have to move now, you know? So it's I was so- really, really happy. Mm. But my school was actually doing like a 25 years anniversary. That The week I was moving, so they had a celebration party on the weekend and I was leaving on Monday morning. So then that was when it actually dawned on me that I might... That I'm, you're leaving. I was leaving. Like, like this is it, man. That's good. You know? And I just, me and my friends just, you know, gathered in the classroom and just talk about stuff, you know? Like, oh, it's gonna, what are you going to do? Blah, blah, blah. So I was like, goodbye. It wasn't a good goodbye. It was like, Guys have to do something, you know. We had there was like drinks and stuff, not like alcohol, just normal soft drinks. So we just talked and like they were telling me, "Come back for me and stuff." I was like, I'm not in charge of this. I'm so glad I'm going, but you know. So that was it, man. I, is that it a was, tear in your eye? Is that yeah? That's a tear, man. When I think back, come on, because I, I missed uh, I missed out on so much fun I should be having, like that final year. Like, the final year was the time we have fun, you know? Especially during the exams. So, we've, because we've got so many, so much free time to do whatever we want to yeah. do. And I'm going to, I'm not going to be part of that memory. So, I was, I was, I was actually happy, but a bit sad a bit. Because I'm, yeah. these are the people I know from like, since I was like seven. And I've been in the same school for the last 10 years. So, the, the friends, I, my friends are people I actually went to school with. And, you know, lived Long-term around. Friends. Yeah. I'm going somewhere. I know nobody. Yeah, so that was the day I was that weekend when we had the celebration. That was when I was thinking about this. Like, uh. 
I'm actually not going to see any of these guys. Yeah. But I actually had like hope, oh, I'm going to meet new friends, I'm going to go blind, you know? Problem is when it kicks you too late, you don't have that time to to think, what am I going to actually do there? What business do I have there? What can I, you know? I wasn't even thinking that far. I was just thinking, move, just go to England. That's go. it. Yeah. I wasn't thinking, what am I going to do? I just want to leave. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily because Nigeria isn't fun, just because I just thought like, life would be much, much better over there, you know? Who did you ask about going? Did you ask anyone or you just... Ask nobody. anyone. I wasn't even allowed to talk to anyone about this. <laughs> family? Because none of my family has moved abroad like all my family that are actually abroad like in america and canada i've actually spoken to them i didn't even know them because they're way older than me so i didn't know anyone i could speak to about moving abroad and i couldn't even speak to anybody i couldn't even tell my neighbors about this right because my mind is like don't tell anyone just keep it to yourself i didn't my friends didn't even know until like the week i was leaving okay because the the principal would come to the class and call me to take a dot like a school documents because I would need it for the visa and stuff so they would come out of the class and then I would come back with like a brown envelope and they would ask me what's inside I was like I don't know you know I just kept saying that for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and then eventually I just like I had to I have to say something you know so then I like told them I look come Monday Wiz is gone <laughs> that should have uh... my friend was my, my best friend wasn't really you know he didn't take it well to be honest he did not take it well this is someone I like me and him spend a lot of time together. We support the same football club. We have banter every time we play football together, you know. We, we and then pff, did they cry? Hey, I don't think they'll not be maybe not in front of me. Uh, but you know, like you can see the emotions in the face, mm-hmm. like you know, facial expressions, like you know, I'm, I'm not happy about this and stuff. But yeah. yeah, fair enough. Well, but I know that it might have been emotional, but you moved to better things, would you say? Yeah, I would say that. Okay, so you left Nigeria, you came to the UK, not really educated much about the UK and maybe the culture or maybe the the way that people are, anything like that. Um, I'm assuming you also had the broken English, Not the, you didn't know English? I did know English, it's just that I wasn't as clean as it is now. I could speak, but I couldn't understand as much as I do now because of... The accents. The accents and my vocabulary wasn't that great, you know, so it's couldn't understand so when you first arrived you moved with your brothers you said to your family mm. how was the first few months the first few months was actually good it was really, <laughs> it was really nice because i did i did i didn't have anything to do like i was just home chilling watching disney channels just... tv tv was free there was 24 7 electricity man everything was just there that life you know i've i've like 15 years I've never experienced any of that you know so I didn't even know how to go to bed or not it's like I just stayed up all night just I said the first two months was good because I came like the whole place was so beautiful like compared to where I was coming from I'm like this is a beautiful country and I was really happy I'd say there was a park behind my house pretty fun we went there a few times played tennis out like to play tennis back home takes a lot of effort you know (laughs) for you to just come over and it's free you know like wow so yeah, it was first few months was really really fun for me. I wouldn't say I miss my friends that much because I was just still in that overwhelming joy, like you know, I'm, I finally made it to the UK, you know. Because before that, most of my knowledge of coming to the UK was just you know, James Bond movies and Harry Potter and all that. And Oxford and Cambridge. <laughs> That's all. I didn't even know where they were. I just know the name Oxford and Cambridge. Or if you go there, you that means you're the smartest person. Me too, sir. Yeah. So that was me. I was just really, really, really excited for the first two months. And then? You know? And then it dawned on me. Like, I'm really not doing anything. I was just so bored. All I did was watch Disney and watch a movie and just chill in my house. I have nowhere to go. I have no friends to talk with, you know? Then I became homesick, you know? I I think I felt sick two months into it. I was, I was sick for like a week. And then after that, I just started becoming lonely and bored you know because like back home in nigeria i wouldn't be home i only probably come back to sleep or just eat and just stay for like a few hours so my auntie can see me down my life and then after that i'm gone somewhere you know could do things or come here the the way like people live in the uk i've never lived like that what way like people always in their house locked in 
And when they go out, they just go somewhere and have food or drink and then come back home, you know? Versus? Versus back in Nigeria, you just, I know my neighbor. I can just go chill at their place and stay there. And then from there, I can just go play football somewhere randomly or I can just go to my friend's house or just go out, just walk around, you know? See what's going on, just talk to people. Even someone I don't even know, I could just, because I could speak the language of the person. We just talking, you know? But coming here, I don't even think I knew my neighbor for like six months. I didn't even know who was living next to me because I didn't see the person once. I only saw the door open at some time and then someone comes in. And so it was like prison. That was always for me. So I was like, nah. It's so free. You can do so many things, but at the same time. You can do so many things, but at the same time, you don't know anybody to do anything with, you know? And I think one of the good things for me is because I came with my brothers. They kind of understood what was going on. So we all kind of bond and stuff kept with talking with each other but it was tough after that first two months of overwhelming journey it just turned sour i was like i was sick of this i wanted to go back like i was like nah i can't i can't leave here hmm. then i thought okay, oh like because in nigeria a lot of people come out of their house just to ch- stay in front of the houses to talk about stuff you know but here because it's so cold no one comes out and everyone is just so in a hurry for some reason i don't know why they you know yeah I was shocked, <laughs> you know? And when I tell my friends about this, like, like this country is you on your own, kind of, you know? When you just come in, you have to actually put that effort in. Because when we were kids, you just make friends, it just happens, you know? But when you get older, it's more difficult. You have to talk about stuff. You have to show interest in your boring lives and stuff. Like you, I have to tolerate you and stuff, you know? But that was a shock for me. I was like, Wow. And then one 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 of the things about moving to the UK is like people ask about age a lot. How old are you? Like in Nigeria, no one really asks how old are you. Mm. Like you meet someone for the first time in the UK, in the first two three sentences they ask you how old are you. You know, and if you if you do that in Nigeria, that's rude for you to ask them how old are you. This is a normal question, but they perceive it as you being rude. You know, so it was shock for me to keep telling people my age every time. And, you know, the eye contact, you have to keep looking people in the eye and stuff while you have conversation with that. <laughs> English people read a lot of self-help yeah. books and they're very educated and that's they're, why... They were, I'll give you that. Like, first few months, I, I realized how my education was a fraud in Nigeria. Because I realized I wasn't taught nothing. I mean, I was good in math and everything, but in terms of English language and communicating with people, my people's skills was really poor. And, mm-hmm. like, I couldn't, like, make a long conversation with someone. I, without running out of what to say or, you know, engaging the person. So, you know, like looking at them, I wouldn't do that because in my culture, looking someone in the eye is rude. So you would look away and stuff, you know. When I started going to church and meeting other Nigerians that were actually born here, they didn't really have the experience I have back in. So they have pretty much the English life, you know. So when we when I talk to them and stuff and I don't look at them, they, they call me out like wisdom, look at me, look at my eye, look at me. Mm. you know so but they don't understand that that's not how we relate back home so and the fact that people are caged in their houses you know let me get back to you said that you go to church here and i and i know that you're a religious person not religious but you you you're brought up in a very religious household me now, i'm not saying you're religious or not but you're i don't know you don't go to church in newcastle do you well don't say that what if my mom listens to this uh, i go to church mom don't listen to this guy um how different was it the, the the church and the Christianity in Nigeria and in the UK? Oh, when you talk about Christianity, there's denominations. There's a Protestant, which are the Pentecostal churches, and there's the Catholic churches, which is the Pope and all that. So in Nigeria, I used to go to the Catholic church. In Nigeria. Catholic, yeah, that's why I used. That was the life I was used to. But then I'm, I'm not used to Pentecostal churches. Pentecostal. That's those are like the Protestants. Are, you know those churches you see around. And then people just, they've got weekly service. They just come in, they just dress and then come in. You see them wear suits a lot and stuff. And tie, yeah, yeah. Those are Pentecostal churches and stuff. So. That's a, they said the ones in England. They are in England. They're actually all denominations in England. But mm. the one my parents go to, are, that's the one in England they go to. They don't go to the Catholic church. So I had to switch switch it to, you know, go there. Because I didn't know anywhere else. I didn't know anybody, you know. So I go there. And it was nice. They got good music, the preacher was really good. I was really enthusiastic about about the whole thing, you know. And then I just 
couldn't do the long hours, man. Because it was longer than the normal service I was used to. Because my service lasts one hour maximum. In Nigeria? In Nigeria. Last the one, like the mass I go to is just 7, 8.30 maximum. We're done. How long was it here? It's like two hours, two and a half hours, depending on the, the mood, you know? And it takes forever. And I just, I just... Get, it gets And then if you do that every week, every week, every week, every week, and it just becomes tiring, yeah, so... We have a weekly thing as well that we do in Islam and um, it's like on Fridays and some places finish it in half an hour but some places go like two hours and it gets long like I feel what you're saying like the people out there they're also getting tired they're getting watch out they might be get bored of what you're saying like you don't want to just be talking 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 you just sat there Um, did you go to a UK school oh yeah I was saying that I was just about to take my exams before I Moved. I didn't actually get to take the exam because my, my my parents got the timing all wrong, right? Like the timing for me to move. This is one thing people didn't get because my parents were so in a hurry. Oh, let's just move these people over ASAP that they didn't even think about my education because I'm the one who actually then suffered at the end, you know, because I didn't have any certificates or anything to like put forward for school because the idea they had was I was gonna come here and then take GCSE and then go do A levels and then go uni, right? That was the plan they had. Unfortunately for them, when I got here, I, I I think I came in November, and GCSE was happening in in the summer or summer. No, no, like in June, June, June. Like that's like six months from then, and the school is like, no, nah, we can't take him because it's too close, and because we were not sure he's gonna do well, so I couldn't enroll in school. So I literally sat the entire six months doing nothing, doing nothing. So I tried to do some like functional skills program just to like get busy or do something you know you just sat there for, that's why i got bored so quickly because when my, my younger brother got enrolled in school straight away because he has a certification because he was younger because i was in my final year which is like the, i don't know what grade it is here but he was like two years below me so he could just bed in the system and do his exams normally and my elder brother just went straight to college because he was Eight, yeah, seventeen, and he had he had his secondary school results from there, but yeah, nothing, you know. And my mom was saying to me, "Oh, you want to go back to Nigeria and do your exams and then come?" I was like, "I'm not going anywhere." This is boring, but it's fun. <laughs> so I was like, "I'm not going anywhere." So because I because I thought about it, okay, I could go home, but then I'll be the only one home. My brothers wouldn't be there; it would just be me. So like, no, I want to stay. So I waited the six months, then enrolled. Did you feel that this was proper education then when you came? No, because I went to college to do my GCSE. Because in Nigeria, he had notes, he take notes, the teacher writes on the board, and that's the way I was used to it. But here, I just had like some PowerPoint slides, and she just talks for like 20 minutes, and then there's some fun games, and everyone's laughing. I'm like, this is, what's this? This is not education, man. Are you guys having a laugh? What's all this? That was the way I was seeing it, okay? So it wasn't fun for me. And everyone was just so weird. So I, in my head, only weird people come to college, you know? So I just felt like, well, you know, you could be doing a lot better, but you're just stuck here because of poor planning from your parents. That's how I felt going to college, Yeah, you know? And but it wasn't easy. I had to do a lot of, like, nine courses because it, the hours was all messed up for me because I had to do enough to get enough credits to go to uni. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like a standard... Oh, nine to four, and then you go home. For me, I had to do some six to eight o'clock lectures. Actually, take the exams to make sure I've got enough. You went through it, and now you're in one of the top universities of the UK. Doing that's what I like um, to think. That's what many people would think. Mm. Most people would think Newcastle University is a very prestigious university, and you're not doing like accounting. Ooh, I love to do accounting. People would not love to do accounting, <laughs> trust me. You're a mechanical engineer. That's right. You're almost done with your master's now. Mm. Have you tried looking for jobs? Yeah, 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 man. Even before I came for my master's, I've been applying in the summer. So that's in September, August, and then I've been make applications. And it's not as easy. Like, you know, when you say, oh, you move to the UK, there's lots of opportunities and stuff, and you're going to get a job. And you would eventually get a job, which is that the process for you to get a job is really, really difficult. Especially when you're doing engineering. It's not as stressful as it seems. Because there's a lot of... First of all, you do the application, which takes you a good part of two hours to do. And if you're lucky, you might get like an acceptance email saying, oh, 
we got your application, we'll get back to you. In most cases, they'll just tell you, sorry, unfortunately, blah, 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 you know? And then you thinking to yourself, like, do I want to do another two hours so I can get this same rejection, you know? So when you do luckily, like, get to the next stage, which is most likely going to be, like, an online test, and when you, which is probably going to, like, five, six questions, and then you go graft and try to read up and stuff, and you do it, you do well, then the next stage is going to be a video interview. And then you go set up your room, lighting and everything, wear your suit, you know, and then you do this interview hoping for the best. And then you thought, oh, if I get this, then this is me getting a job, right? Nah, that's not it. <laughs> then you have to go to the assessment center. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. When there's going to be another test, another interview for them to determine if they actually even want you. That's the process you have to go through for you to actually get a job if you're studying engineering in the UK. And most of it is down to luck and it's very stressful. So the advice would be to make as much application as you possibly can and hope that, you know, one of them gets through and you might get a favor interview and then, you know, you but get But stay persistent on the applications. But yeah, stay, per- like, I wouldn't say go for the top companies when you're starting off because it's very difficult because they're just going to crush your morale because you're going to get a lot of rejections. Dude, like Abdul was saying a few hours ago, like, he just made an application and he got rejected as soon as he sent it off. Like, how do you make another one that same day, you know? And even all this application, you might do the tests, like the online test, and you might be, you might think you were fantastic and you did all the answers correct. They will still reject you, okay? You might have the best video interview, be elegant in what you speak. Them, they will tell you to go somewhere else. And you just have to, like, mentally prepare yourself to be rejected, you know? Mm. But eventually, you would get a job, you know? Cause try as much. My friend so stressed because he was just doing a bachelor's, he wasn't doing a master's, and he needed to get a job, according to him, he was just stressed. And he went to four or five interviews and assessment centers, and he got nothing, like a few months before he finished, and then they just called him in, he just did the interview straight away, and bang, the offer was made to him, like, that same day. So it's almost luck. It's almost luck, yeah. It's almost luck, and depending if they... They just want to take a chance with you, you know? So it's not like... You might bring your entire portfolio and they still tell you no. You know? So it's just do the do the best you can. That's, but after that year, when you get a year experience, two years, then it becomes easy for you to get other jobs. But the, making that first step into the industry is really difficult. Agreed. Well, my friend, good luck in your uh, assessment center in a few weeks. Thank you, man. And um, thanks for being here. Wisdom. First of all, thank you for having me, man. It, it was definitely my fault. I mean, I'm going to tear down, man. You've, you've opened memory lane again. I'm going to cry. I miss yeah. all my friends back home now because of you now. This is why I didn't want to come on this podcast. It's a good reason to connect with them now, you know? I do stay connected to them. Like, yeah, I do like, check up from time to time. It's just, it's not the way it was, you know? So, yeah. uh, Do you still go back to Nigeria? Then? Um, Since I came, I haven't been back, but I'm actually going in this new year. I'm going during the Easter. Mm. So, yeah. Planning to meet your friends? Of course, man. You think I'm going to travel all the way back home and then go chill in my place? I'm going to go see my friends. What is the main reason that you're going? I just Family, to be honest. Because like, I haven't seen family for a long time. And my mom and dad want to go back to just see family. So it's like, like everyone just get your stuff. Let's go together as family. Mm. So like that's a good time for me to actually go, you know. Because I haven't been there for a long time and... The more you stay away, you know, you don't... The more you get dis- exactly, disconnected so. from it. Like, I mean, there's only so much social media could do for you, like, but, but yes. you've actually been there with people you grew up with. I don't think you can replace that with social media. Absolutely. Um, safe trip to you, the family. I hope you enjoy that. Thank and, you, man. Um, it's fun if you have money to go back to Nigeria, man. I oh, swear, swear down. If you have money, you, you know all the stuff I said about Nigeria being this horrible place where nothing happens. But if you have money and you're there... It's a lovely place. So do visit Nigeria if you have the time. And money. Money is very important. Don't forget that. <laughs> visit Nigeria 2020. <laughs> New resolution there, man. New resolution. <laughs> okay. It's bonus clip time. If you like the episode so far, why not share it with a friend? Sharing is caring. And remember to subscribe to the podcast and maybe leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening to me from right now. 
I'll leave you with the bonus clip. And I'll see you next week with another statelessness. If your mom's listening to this, you should be proud of your son. Well, I hope she's proud, man. I'd do the best I could. With <laughs> did. I'm sure you did. <laughs> Except for one thing. You support Arsenal. Why? I don't really support them. I just, you know. You don't really support yeah, them? Just, just this, is, this is recorded. All right, whatever, man. Get on with Careful. it. Careful. <laughs> just oh, going yeah. to Arsenal TV. I didn't say that. I scratched that. <laughs> All right, why Arsenal? I don't my first football game I saw was Arsenal or Middlesbrough, man. That was like 05? 05, 04, I think. That was my first game I saw. First Premier League game. I mean, I watched international football, like the country games and stuff. Because we didn't have like constant electricity. So it was very difficult for you to see the Premier League games. To be fair, I didn't even know what Premier League was then. You know, I just watched the African Cup of Nations and the World Cup from time. That's it. That's all I knew. And then I was just walking past my neighbor's place one day. From the window, I saw there was a football match. It's like, you know, let me watch. Because I played football. I just didn't watch, you know. So I was looking through the TV. And then Arsenal was playing Middlesbrough. And Thierry Henry was just killing everyone on the pitch that day. And as I asked people, so who is that club? I didn't even know what the club. I just saw the logo. I just saw, I memorized the logo. Henry was the only person I knew in the team. And that was it. That was enough. That was how I, then later on, like, when we got to the Champions League final, that was when I was like, this is it. This is my club. This is what I'm going to support for the rest of my life. And you've been doing well sticking around with it. I watched it. It was all good, okay? The Champions League final was the first Arsenal game I watched live. Ooh. The whole 19 minutes of bullshit and everything. And it caught And me. I tear up oh. for like a week, hmm. you know. You still tear up every week. You can go yourself, man. <laughs> But that's all right, you know. You I wouldn't... don't tear up anymore. I just got used to the pain, I guess. You got used to the pain. I got used to it. That is I a... mean, it's a very good club, man. Because then, the reason I actually support Arsenal wasn't because of that we won trophies that we were the best team in England at the time. It was because it, the way we played football was really good. Hmm. Okay, that was even later on in Arsene Wenger's tenure when we were not winning. But the way we were playing football, I was like, I'll support this club till I die. And the fact that we were not spending so much money to do so, it was just... One of the things that kept me attached. Because then I would look at Man City and Man U were spending money. And I was like, you're just spending money to do all this. You know? We're going to get Commercial clubs. Get... Yeah, exactly. And then Chelsea as well. Because my brother ch- supposed Chelsea. And he just kept giving me grief from day one. The day they started winning stuff. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was it for me. And then I was like, I, I actually thought a few times to like change, a, change club. But I couldn't. I just could not do it. Even now, people tell me move I, I can't do it I can't do it because then we had Vieira we had all these people then so it was a really good team and Lundberg he had the red Freddie Lundberg he had the red hair I don't think you watched that was the golden days and I was just loving life so I was just giving people abuses after abuses back in school that's why uni has been miserable for me because I couldn't give anybody anything I was just <laughs> taking stuff from day one it's your fault for picking the wrong team uh, that was actually one of the reasons I was actually really excited to move over to London because Arsenal played in they had the Emirates Stadium in London. I was, right. you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to be going to the games every weekend. Obviously, that didn't work out well. That so. didn't work out well. <laughs> but that was one of the reasons I wanted. Because I'm like, eventually, I'll probably end up going to the games every weekend when I've got time. But I was, so, uh, I'm going to get to watch my team play. So I was really happy about that. So. Well, let's hope that um, Arsenal can pull it back together. Just sometime. leave the Arsenal talk and go somewhere. Else, All right. Um... <laughs> We've got Arteta now, so new beginnings, I suppose. Home is where the heart is. It's incredible. I'll be keeping an eye on that one.